Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Philip Heronic for the Iron Throne. I was going with a, I was going to go with the Heronic angle as well. Mm, yeah, I, well, I like yours better. Credit to Brad Crisco on that one. He's the one who came up with that pre-show. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I actually, since we've gotten here, I don't think I've heard Evan say a word since we started sitting down and, and recording. Oh my god! I <laughs> swear, <laughs> I will chop block you. Okay, show of hands. Who's seen that coming? Yes, somehow. <laughs> Somehow that's on me. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, This is supposed to be spring right now. We're, what, two weeks away from summer? And I don't think we've seen the sun. If there were no trees nearby, you'd think it's October. There are... uh, I have a lot of... As you guys have probably have heard, I have a lot of feelings about the way the Game of Thrones show is going. And so I decided on my drives to Windsor and back uh, to listen to... Uh, the audiobook, starting with uh, the first book. I've read it, but I, it's been some time, so I, I listened to the audiobook. And it all takes place in the north to start. And so it felt like dreary and shitty and cold. And I looked outside, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm actually in the north right now. That's what this feels like. Yeah, the wall's somewhere around London, I think. <laughs> oh, it sucks. <laughs> Does that make us free folk? We are free folk. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, then we're soon destined to be part of the army of the night king but that's for, that's for future whatever oh man the world of hockey uh just keeps progressing i thought maybe this would be a slower episode because uh we just chatted with um scott wheeler on thursday night and then we covered a ton of stuff but yeah what are we gonna do without 30 minutes of free content from scott oh god that was great the well i don't the, feel like talking that much tonight so this is gonna be a problem for a podcast <laughs> yeah especially a podcast with evan on it nope we're not doing that again evan what evan keeps <laughs> evan keeps looking at me and smiling and he thinks it's hysterical to pause dramatically see this probably isn't good content for people listening into their cars or on, or on the computer at work but as someone who's actually watching this happen no, it's it's hilarious. No, it's not. So th- this is for me and YouTube. No, and nobody else. It's not. F- <laughs> uh, the playoffs uh, have kicked off. The both conference finals um, are well underway. Either one or two games in. So we'll chat about that. Uh, we're going to continue our draft player profiles, and then our continue our Red Wing player profiles, and then uh, just move forward with some quick hits, World Championships, the OHL playoffs, uh, overtime, and then just see where uh, see where life takes us. So, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay, I'm just going to get the one series out of the way. Boston's up 2-0. They kicked the crap out of Carolina today. Of course they're going to go to the finals because nobody wants them to. Of course they're going to win the Cup because nobody wants them to. Life isn't fair. Hockey's unfair. Everything sucks. It's cold. It's raining. Let's move on. So, Carolina actually... God damn it, Ryan. What was up? <laughs> they were they were playing the last time we were recording. They were up 2-1 to one, uh, over Boston, going to the third period. And then they let up uh, 10 unanswered goals, I believe it was. Yeah. Which, if you are trying to win hockey games, is a notably poor strategy, let me tell you. This is exactly what I would have predicted would have happened had Boston-Carolina been a first-round matchup. Yeah. And we didn't know what was about to happen. Now, I don't want to count Carolina out yet. It's two games. It's, what's the old saying? You're not in trouble till you lose at home. 
Yeah. So, you know, two games, it doesn't matter if Boston won 12-1 or, or 2-1. It's still just a 2 nothing series right now. So, not to say that Carolina needs to turn thing, doesn't need to turn things around fast, because they do, obviously. But uh, that series uh, is far from over. does look a little bit lopsided. It does kind of scream like Boston's out through a really, really tough first couple of rounds, taking out... Um, a very tough Toronto team, and then the team that took out uh, Tampa Bay in a sweep. So that seems like everyone who who made the easy bet for them to make the finals is kind of smiling right now. And the West is our only hope. Did I take them to make the finals? I legitimately don't remember now. I don't remember. I did. I didn't want Um, to. Wouldn't that mean you had Tampa Bay losing? No, 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 we meant like, like uh, last episode. Yeah, Evan, oh. you were here. Yeah, well, that was a week ago. Was he though? Was it? No, that wasn't a week ago. That, that was, was like four days. <laughs> yeah, three. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, not even seventy-two full hours actually. It was in well into no, the evening when true. we were recording. Yeah, yeah. Evan, Evan That's is. So you don't record at nine p.m. No, Evan's. My brain is off. All wonky right now because he didn't get to golf today. I haven't golfed since Monday. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. How did you golf on Monday? I went to the range. Oh, that doesn't count. Okay. Range? Yeah. Got you. Which one do you go to? Oh, I'm not giving out free <laughs> advertising. I'll tell you off air. He just goes <laughs> to the reservoir. You go probably better than Maxwell's. Yes. Oh, they're never sponsoring us. <laughs> Although, I could have told you that by walking into Maxwell's. Uh, I don't have money for that. <laughs> no. The Western Conference uh, Series... Uh, game one was last night. That was something to watch. It was a 5-2 game up until like six minutes left. Uh, San Jose took that one. Um, but that series is far from over. I do think that series has a lot of potential to go six or seven games. Man, San Jose has talent oozing out of every corner of their lineup, and they all seem to be getting hot right now. Except for that one guy who's tremendously overrated but leads the playoffs and assists. I actually don't know who leads the playoffs next. It's Eric Carlson. And you think he's tremendously overrated? No, but that I'm sick sarcastic. of people tweeting it at me. Oh. I, I profess my love Are you for- still having this fight on Twitter? People still think Eric Carlson is not elite, and this is the hill I die on. Eric Carlson's play- and, I, and it's not even that hot of a take, and I still <laughs> have to die on this hill. He's not even playing uh, with, like, I, I would say 70% capacity he, of health he's playing with two-thirds of an ankle and half a groin and still leads the playoffs and assists wow i would have thought burns would have does burns have more points probably because yeah. he shoots a lot more i don't think eric carlson has actually registered has the most goals does he not he does eric carlson does not have a goal yet and people get on me about that and i'm like yes it's because he's passing the puck to logan couture and brent burns that's what, exactly what i would do I don't understand uh, when people freak out over uh, playoff stats this early. Like, the sample size is so small. And when they're like, oh, through two rounds, you know, so-and-so only has, like, two points. Like, that, he's a terrible playoff performer. I'm like, take any stretch of eight games in someone's career and you well, can find stuff. The Carlson hate got really ramped up. I think it was after game four or five against Vegas. He was, like, a minus six through, like, four games or whatever it was. And they're like, see, look at this. This one tremendously effective stat <laughs> that proves he's terrible at hockey. Let's ignore the fact that Martin Jones is letting in wrist shots from just inside the blue line with no deflection. No, no, no. But it's Carlson's fault. Plus minus, unless it's some like egregious outlier relative to the rest of the team and his line mates, is a brutal stat 
through and through. End of story. Please stop using also, it. Ryan, guys, it's the only stat. These guys don't care about their stats. They just want to win. They don't care if some plug on the fourth line scores or they get a hat trick. No. As long as it's a win and it gets them closer to the winning the cup, they don't care. No. And let me explain something about how the game of hockey works. Even if you're on the bandwagon of Eric Carlson is terrible defensively, which I'm not. He's not elite defensively, but he's not bad. Even if he cause directly causes two goals against every game he generally is the cause in some capacity of three or four goals for that's still a positive impact no no <laughs> that's getting too far into those advanced analytics but if you get it but but he gets points on the power play run and as we all know those don't count on a team with brent burns as a defenseman who's consistently you know nominated for a norris trophy people are getting on eric carlson about his defensive showing ah that to me is something it's a special level. I understand I'm a, I'm a bit of a purist, and, and I value defense, like actual defense, a lot. You know, I played the position. It's something I care deeply about on any successful team, and we all grew up watching Nick Lidstrom, right? And so I don't think Brent Burns is a bad player. I think he's an excellent player. I'd say he's an elite player. But to call him uh, an elite defenseman just kind of irks me in a way that I don't People forget the days when he was on Minnesota and they would switch him between winger and defense willy-nilly. He's an elite rover. Yeah, he's a, he's a great player to have on your team. And yeah, he's incredibly effective from where he is. But playing defense, he doesn't exactly inspire me, you know? And Eric Carlson's by no means a defensive dynamo, but he doesn't catch, or Burns doesn't catch half the flack that he does. I don't know. It, Unless you're Drew Doughty. You, <laughs> yes. But you know who doesn't care about any of this right now? San Jose. The San Jose Sharks. They That was a great showing against a good uh, St. Louis team. Uh, LeBanc had an excellent goal. Timo Meyer had two f- like circus goals. Timo Meyer had 30 goals this year. Yeah. Yeah. Ottawa fans thought that they were going to get him, that he was going to be involved in a trade. Oh, Ottawa. Yeah. There's funny. Now San Jose has Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least they're a team. And Ottawa has Chris Tierney. You know what? I was, I was talking to Max uh, about this today. Ottawa went through the ringer and lost seemingly everyone at a superstar level at every position. And they still have Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, and Eric Brandstrom. Like they're they've still got a hell of a, a superstar or a potential star core to build on. I'd rather have superstars than potential superstars. Oh, for sure. But you'd rather be where they are than where they should be by all rights, right? I don't imagine know. if they I'd, had their superstars and their potential so superstars. Mad, yeah, imagine if they had Thomas Shabbat, Brady Kachuk. And Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, and Matt Duchesne. Oh, yeah. But the, <laughs> you know what? I, I want to talk about Ottawa after. We'll do it after the playoffs. I want to circle back. The great thing. They need offseason content, and they're going to provide endless amounts of it. Oh, absolutely. The relevant thing for Red Wings fans in these playoffs is one, most of us uh, are rooting against Boston, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to cover it regardless. But for San Jose uh, versus St. Louis, Red Wings fans actually have a vested interest in it, which is that San Jose's third round pick that they sent to Detroit in 2020 turns into a second round pick if they make the cup finals. They were 10 minutes away in the first round from this being not even remotely possible. And yet 
here we are, three wins away from Detroit getting an additional second-round pick in next year's draft. This is part of the Gus Nyquist trade. The other condition that could push that third to a second is if Gus Nyquist resigns, which is pretty up in the air at this point. It's anyone's best guess. I'd say it doesn't happen, but regardless, three wins away from that happening. So I don't know what holdover grudges everyone has from the days when Detroit was in the West and they played Thornton or they played St. Louis. Uh really you want that pick to move up 31 or yeah 31 spots so three wins away from that it helps yeah how many picks does wasn't you- like buffalo was it buffalo no the rangers were like close to getting two first round picks after the second round but neither of them panned out because dallas lost and yeah so- well i think there was another one but i can't remember yeah they had a bunch of conditions on that zuccarella trade wasn't mm-hmm. it yeah yeah and their return is going to end up being the same as the Nyquist return now, right? Maybe less. Two is it? It was two seconds. Oh, was it two seconds? Uh, I maybe it was I'm second. not sure. I don't know. It all kind of blended together. Everyone was traded for the same amount, pretty but. much. So Detroit with three first or three second round, three first round picks. Oh boy, uh, three second round picks this year might end up with the same haul next year because they also have Washington's second round pick next year. So seems so hoping that Washington's free fall begins now. Yeah. Yeah, because I was so excited when I saw we had the island. Remember that we had the Islanders second round pick this year, mm-hmm. and I was expecting them to be garbage. I'm still a little upset about it. Not gonna lie, <laughs> they got bounced. They're, theirs will be the. They were the first team eliminated, right? The Islanders. They made it to the second round, dude. Oh, uh, for now, shit. Sorry, I was. <laughs> I mean, in, in the, the second, second round. Yeah, in the second round. Yeah, but when anybody who gets bounced in the first and second round, it just goes by regular season standings. Oh, yeah. So the final four is set based on the final four. So the last four picks in the first round will yeah. be San Jose, Carolina, Boston, St. Louis. But every every other pick is now based on regular season. Finish. What a weird. So cool. Carolina didn't. Uh, Carolina, Tampa Bay didn't get a playoff win, and they're picking twenty seventh. Yeah, well, you should probably try winning a hockey game then. Yeah, idiots. Uh, I want to talk about Ottawa. We we this is getting away from playoff hockey, and, and that's it's okay. Fun. Playoff hockey is just depressing me at this point. So uh, Eugene Melnick is currently looking for uh, president of hockey operations. He's targeted a lot of people. Including, you know, Eiserman. He re- reached out to Ron Francis. Uh, there's a ton of other big names. Uh, Elliot Friedman actually named quite a few of them. This guy hasn't even received an acceptance of a meeting. People won't take the damn meeting with him. He's about to just walk out the arena doors, point at the first person he sees and said, you, you're hired. They won't do that. And they're going to be like, what? No. No, They'll be like, you. no. It'll, it'll be the guy who gave him his liver. It'll be like, give me my liver back, man. Can That's you, what we should be really upset with. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of memes come out where Ottawa fans are like, the guy who gave him his liver only said one thing, which was, "Win us a cup." And Eugene, Eugene Melnick went out and did exactly the opposite. I've seen a lot of people, company men, you know, people who are kind of old school, say, "Well." you know what, the NHL shouldn't step in because this, this, and that, and he's technically... And, and, you know, I've parroted that statement. By their rules, by all standards, yeah, they shouldn't be stepping in because he hasn't done anything terrible. Like, he hasn't done anything... Well, he hasn't done anything terrible to humanity. He hasn't done anything illegal. And that's, You can just phrase it that way, right? You can yeah. be a bad owner. But when you get to the point where people aren't... People who aren't gainfully employed aren't taking a cushy job on a team with a still good young core they're not even taking the meeting 
That's because they they know they're going to get a zero less. Oh yeah, than everyone else in that position in the league. He and even if they don't, they're going to get exponentially more stress, work, and grief than everybody else in the equivalent position. Yep. He tanked the LeBreton Flats deal, which would have been the easiest move to boost that Ottawa Senators franchise. I know we've parroted it before, but there's an unholy amount of value that would have been added to that team in that franchise and for the fans to have that team move downtown rather than outside of the city in Canada, which if you guys haven't heard me say it before, there's pretty much one main thoroughfare in and out and Ottawa's cold and snowy and icy. And it is a hellscape getting there in the wintertime. So moving that team downtown would have done wonders for it. The Canadian market is nothing to be scoffed at. It is necessary for the, for the NHL to survive and thrive. And they have one guy who is absolutely battering one of their most important franchises. It's because he's cheap. He's beyond cheap. He's cheap and he doesn't know how to run a hockey team. He is a crazy person. Oh, yeah. And the one thing I need to, I feel the need to remind everybody over and over and over and over again. If anybody has any shred of sympathy for how much the public hates Eugene Melnick, this is a man who is absolutely alienating his fan base despite the fact he is literally, and I'm using the literal term of literally, only alive because of his fan base. He was dying and a random fan donated him a kidney so he could continue to be alive. Was it kidney? That makes more sense. Was It, it was kidney or, kidney or liver, whatever yeah, it was. Remember. He was dying. And a fan donated it because they put out a, a plea online or something like that. Hey, our owner's going to kick the bucket here. It is liver. Liver. And uh, yeah, now he's alive and pissing all over the fan base that saved his life. It's it's disgusting. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I wish he died. I'm very glad this happened <laughs> for him because I don't, wanna, uh, yes. I don't want anybody taking it that way. Like, I'm very glad it happened for him. But at the same time, it's just a special level of scumbaggery to pull this crap after that. The he very clearly wants likes the toy that he has. He likes being an NHL owner. He likes the prestige he thinks it brings him. And you know the active denial and uh, what aboutism that comes about when people say like, "Hey, we hate you as an owner." He says, "Oh, only fake fans say that." He he refuses to accept that people dislike him. He likes what he has, but if you don't have the money to spend in a premier sport in one of the wealthiest nations in the world, you shouldn't be an you shouldn't be go own an AHL team. Go buy the the sixty sevens or something. Does he own the? I don't know. Uh, probably not. They seem successful. So the sixty. I just had the sixty sevens. That's stupid. That's an OHL team. Yeah. Uh, no. Go buy an AHL. Go eat or an OHL team. Do something else. He's not cut out to be. Uh, it just drives me nuts. And I just had to point out the fact of this whole nobody would take a meeting thing. It's time for the NHL to step in. If they want to do it softly or if they want it to be a slow creeping control and guide him to the right path and eventually guide him towards a sale, that's fine. It doesn't have to be a, a hostile takeover or a forceful removal, but it, the, the time is nigh to, to help that team. Because if Ottawa gets relocated because they sat there and watched, that's as much a failure on the league as it is on Eugene Melnick. So I know exactly what the league's thinking here, and I can understand their logic. I agree they need to step in, but here's the thing. And you have to think of this from a business standpoint. And the answer is up for debate. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know the answer. But if you're objectively looking at it from a profit loss standpoint and you're about to purchase an NHL team, where do you think you're more likely to be successful? Ottawa, Ontario or Quebec City? 
because I think that's a very real fear for the NHL where if they force a sale, it they will not remain in Ottawa because that's it's a Canadian market, which is great. But as far as Canadian markets go, it's, it's small. And even when they were in the conference finals in 2017, they were not selling out conference final games. Because it, it's, it's I, not I even in the city. I understand that. I do. But if this LeBreton Flats thing gets sorted somewhere else and that's no longer an option, I don't think the potent, new potential owner would entertain the idea of keeping them in Ottawa. He's going to Houston. He's going to Quebec City. He's they're they're going wherever the money's gonna be. And right now it doesn't look like it's gonna be in Ottawa unless something dramatic happens. Well there's a lot to sort out. The drama seems to have died down, but the attention is back on him now that he can't find a hire. He won't like the fact that there's a national or, or a main reporter talking about it. You know, Friedman put it out there that he wasn't getting the interview. Uh Eugene Melnick doesn't have it in him to not respond to these kinds of things. But what what Eugene Melnick needs, and now this is a position I've said um, I would do and take for any GM in the NHL. Uh, what really most NHL GMs need could also apply to Eugene Melnick. He doesn't need to hire a COO. He doesn't need to hire a vice president of hockey ops. He needs to hire a guy to follow him around and just say, don't do that. That's his only job. Just stand behind you. And as soon as he goes to open his mouth or do anything, just say, Eugene, don't do that. He he could be a hands-off owner, but he clearly enjoys being hands-on. He's the guy who buys a Rolex that's obnoxiously big and just it's the center of attention at all times. Look at all these pretty toys I have. Look at what I have. Look at me. Look at me. Ottawa's not the prettiest looking toy right now, unfortunately. <laughs> Again. A team in a Canadian market with three potential stars to superstars in the waiting who aren't even entering their primes yet. There's worse situations. It's just could <laughs> be Edmonton when you have the when you have the what's it called the crypt keeper looking down at you from above, ready to just ruin your shit. There's one thing I did see that might give Suns fans some optimism for next year, and this actually happened a couple months ago, and I missed it. Where I guess someone who works for a clothing company leaked what the official team toques are going to look like next yeah. year. And Ottawa had the old 2D logo on theirs. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Ottawa has the worst jerseys in the NHL and one of the worst logos. So if they go back retro, they're, they're getting some... Nostalgia gets a lot of dollars. It really, really does. Those are some of the best jerseys of the 90s. They... That, that should have been a move that happened however many years ago. But Some, they don't have anybody in place to make these decisions. <laughs> someone pointed out to me that for them to have made that move, they would have had to have submitted it over a year ago because of the uh, new rules with Adidas taking over. There's a limited amount of change that you can make with that. So happy it would be happening. Hey, there you go, Ottawa. Your team is a dumpster fire, but it won't look like a dumpster fire. That'd be a prettier dumpster fire. It's like lipstick on a pig. It's going to be a beautiful corpse. Oh, Yes. Those are two great adages from both of you. I'm very proud of you. For those of you, before we move on to our draft profile, for those of you who are wondering why uh, we all sound nasally, one, Evan is literally always constantly sniffling, so he doesn't count. That's fine. Uh, I'm on the tail end of that cold from the last episode, and I walked in today, and Brad went, I got your cold. I went, really? He goes, yeah, like the next day. <laughs> you guys uh, got to stop kissing. Um, it's a podcast. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Team kisses after the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. There's a lot of fan art about to come out. No. No. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Not. Anybody who submits that fan art, art is getting <laughs> blocked immediately on all accounts. Do it. Do it. I'll keep you... <laughs> I'll keep you unblocked just to watch Brad uncomfortable. 
Uh, Do you hear me right now? I'm uncomfortable every minute I'm awake at the moment. If this is all it takes, Brad has a daughter who is a force to be reckoned with. Who's also going to be sick in the next couple days now. Oh, yeah. Where is she? Uh, uh, My brother-in-law's. He has another on the way, but the only time he's ever truly down is when he's sick. You've had a rough year with being sick, though. I have a child, soon to be children. I'm never not going to be sick. (laughs) <laughs> this is my life now. My immune system is <laughs> gone. The draft. Oh, boy. Are we getting in the thick of it? The more I talk about it, the more we think about it, the more lists come out, the more rankings come out, the more it seems like Detroit would be absolutely even luckier they were than they were last year with Zedina to get one of Turcotte or Byram at six. So it's not going to happen. We have to start looking at some serious options as to who Detroit might get there. Pod Colson is one of them. We talked about him already. Uh, but on today's uh, draft player profile, we are going to talk about one Trevor Zegris. Uh, this is a favorite of Brad's. Um, he is ranked. He was ranked in um, Scott Wheeler's six to twelve tier. So obviously, someone who's viable for Detroit to take. Hey, Detroit's tier. Sure. Not one of the most talked about centers, but that's because there's a couple of Canadians ahead of him and the uh, other center ahead of him, other two centers ahead of him on the US NTDP are Jack Hughes and Alex Turcott. So kind of hard to stand out too, too much, but he still has made a hell of a name for himself. Give us the beginning of the uh, rundown on Trevor Zegris. So if you want to know why I'm so high on Trevor Zegris, it comes down to the fact that in my opinion... He is the best playmaker in the draft. End of statement. I understand Jack Hughes is in this draft, and I understand Jack Hughes is a premier passer of the puck. Trevor Zegris doesn't make sense. You watch some of the passes he makes and some of the the lanes he opens up or just sees. Even if the lane's not there, he somehow gets it through. It doesn't make sense to me. Again, I know the game of hockey i understand even though i can't do 90 percent of the things a guy like jack hughes can do on the ice or trevor zegers i know why they did it what they saw how that happens i've watched passes that trevor zegers has made tape to tape in the offensive zone and i have no clue how or when he saw that player there it had to have been a solid five to ten seconds before he made the pass and just anticipated where that guy was going it's absurd. He doesn't come without his uh, some warts in his game. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't shoot the puck nearly enough, given how good of a shot he has. He's always looking for the pass. Um, but again, that's something that can be coached out. He's responsible defensively. Uh, sometimes, I think Scott even mentioned this on Thursday, takes it a little too far. So his penalty ratio is a little higher than what you would like it to be. But I'll just remind Red Wings fans that Dylan Larkin led the Red Wings in penalties this year. So not a game breaker for me. He, he doesn't play with as much pace as I would like, but when you're as good of a passer as he is, you can kind of get away with that, uh, especially at the junior level, not so much at the NHL level, but again, it's something that can be coached. But to me, on top of him being just worthy of being the sixth overall pick, because he's a top six talent in my mind, he is almost the type of player Detroit needs more than any other in this draft. The Red Wings do not have a playmaker on their roster. End of statement. There's there's not one. Zegris would be the guy on in the top six to set up a Zadina. He would be the guy on the first power play unit to tee up a Heronic. 
that's his thing. That's what Detroit needs. And it would not be a reach to take him at six because his talent is worthy of sixth overall. Uh, so you you touched on a lot of good points. Um, I'm not going to dive too much more into his playmaking, but something I do want to talk about is that he combines an ability to see the passes. And this is either, you know, a direct tape to tape pass or shifting himself around on the ice or using the boards. He's really, really creative in how he dishes out those feeds. But he also just does the simple things right. Puts the puck on someone's stick, doesn't miss the simple passes. It's a quick release. It's a quick decision making. That's the kind of thing uh, that makes him stand out as that playmaker. I would still have Jack Hughes as a better overall playmaker, but in terms of pure passing and that kind of vision to set up a play, yeah, Zegras is he's like a freak. We talk about or we talk a lot about players who stand out in specific ways. Cole Caulfield with his goals, you know, Jack Hughes with his everything, Trevor Zegras with his passing and playmaking. Like we were talking about Evan Bouchard the same way last year, one of the best passers in that draft. Um, the pace is something that concerns me, though. He's not a slow player. The guy can move, but you don't see him too often combining that speed with his playmaking, and it leads to kind of forced plays. His vision is there, but his overall offensive hockey IQ sometimes, he seems it's almost as if he's stunting himself in my mind. He doesn't seem to be able to see beyond what he wants to happen. And that's how where you get those kind of forced passes or he's always kind of trying to make something happen. And on a team full of stars, like legitimate studs like the US NTDP, that's great because a lot of the times forcing it through will work. But on a team like the Red Wings or the average NHL team, you might not always have a line mate who is in that open space or who can make something out of nothing like that. And we both know that even though he's a center, when he gets to the Red Wings, he'll start on the wing, and I'm sure, I'm certain his center will be Luke Lindenning. Oh, yeah. And he's played both center and wing, and so they won't be shy about transitioning him. He stands about six feet, so he's he's not tiny, but he's not huge. He's not uh, terribly big right now. I think he's about 170 pounds. He's Uh, lighter than me. Yeah, so... They're not going to be keen on playing him at center. I, again, I'm not ever too concerned about the weight of a center. This isn't that game anymore. Uh, the NHL is trending away from that pretty quickly, and he's young, right? He can move and he competes defensively. That's what you need to be a center. I'm not, I don't know how centers improve after they make the, the show, though, with their pace and um, his ability to kind of tie everything together offensively. I would want a more, if, I, if, if Detroit is taking a forward at six. I would want someone more complete in terms of driving a a, a scoring chance in the offensive zone. I, I understand the concerns you're talking about, but I think that the, there's a very simple fix for Zegris on, on his offensive weaknesses. And that's just, he needs to understand that in some circumstances, an all right shot on net is better than any other play. Yeah. You don't have a dump option. There's nobody there. You don't have a pass option. You've got an all right shot on net from wherever he is. Just take it sometimes, man. Don't overthink it. He He's always looking for that perfect play where when it's there, he can hit it. But in those instances where it's not there, he has to understand that to get out of dodge, he's got to look to shoot more than he does. Yeah. And you know what? He's not a player that I'm terribly concerned about in terms of learning those things. Sometimes when we talk about gaps in players' games, it's stuff that you can't teach. But sometimes it just depends on, A, their willingness to learn and adapt, and B, their hockey IQ. Um, Zegras is a 
pretty adept player on at in both ends. But when you look at a forwards defensive game, that really is kind of a great litmus test as to um, how smart he is on the ice. Uh, he's a very effective defender because he does things like stick checks, intercepting passes, reading plays, and getting in, in between passes uh, to to create turnovers. Um, that's where a lot of his defensive prowess comes in. I like Brad said. I'm not concerned about his penalties. I know a lot of teams say like. You know that he roughs it up too much and he gets himself into trouble. Yeah, but he's a kid, right? Like, like you said, Dylan Larkin right now just plays really heated. I have no doubt in my mind that he'll be able to temper that. If a coaching staff can't get a guy to take fewer penalties and create more defensive and offensive opportunities for himself, then that's on the coaching staff, really. Ryan, don't just. I don't want to have that conversation today. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, Zegras is an excellent, excellent choice for Detroit at six and would be one hell of a consolation pick. And based on the way the draft is going right now, uh, with the way I expect the draft to go, he's probably, as of this moment, the guy I'm going to be rooting for them to pick. He's not my first choice of guys who are somewhat realistic at six, but if if we're actually going to, yeah, who's likely going to be available at six, he's probably top of my list right now. Because as much as I'd prefer Turcotte or Byram, I don't see either of them slipping there. And for all we know, hey, Zegers might not make it that far either. So now here's my the- hell is Turcotte, Byram, uh, Zegers going three, four, five. That is my hell. Well, okay. So I want to get back there in a second. I want to talk a little bit more about Zegers's game with who I want Detroit to take at six, provided that your, you know, Turcotte and Byram are both gone. I want someone where Detroit swings for the fences, forward, defense, goalie, whatever. Trevor Zegers. I want that guy to have a chance, a very realistic chance at being better than Dylan Larkin. That Trevor obvi- Zegers. That obviously manifests itself most, you know, overtly as a centerman. You can do it. No. Okay. Uh, as a sentiment, <laughs> Trevor Zegers. <laughs> but there would be a fair projection to say that the limitations in Trevor Zegers' game and in a, a normal projection in terms of how he might pan out, he would be more of a likely number two centerman. So, here- so that would give Detroit two number two fringe number one centermen's best case Ontario. I agree, but here, here's my counter argument to you. My list of players that I I believe firmly who are going to be number one centers in this draft begins and ends at Jack Hughes. I would I tend to fall that yes, I think Alex Turcott will, but I'm giving that a 60% at best. Zegras, I don't give higher than a 50% chance to be a number one center. I do think you're right. He's likely going to be a number two center, although I do think he would be a number one power play unit quarterback or at least the setup man. The People tend to overestimate how many superstars come out of any given draft. If a draft yields three number one centermen and two number one defensemen, that's like a next level good draft. Well, so if you're picking sixth, odds are you're not picking a number one center, even though you, I agree with you, always swing for the fences, pick the most skilled player with the highest ceiling, even if it comes with risk, odds are you're not getting that guy. No, for sure. But don't you take the guy with the most amount of displayed talent in any given area? I I, I do. I'm leading into Cole, Cole Caulfield here is what I'm... 
Now, here, here's my argument to you. Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegers are the exact same player, just opposites. Cole Caulfield's thing is goal scoring. Trevor Zegers' thing is passing. If everything's in a vacuum, I think Trevor Zegers' passing is about as good as Cole, Cole Caulfield's goal scoring. But then doesn't that give favor to Cole Caulfield? Because what's more valuable in the NHL? Goals? This, this is where you have to look at situation. Cole Caulfield right now is a guy who needs someone to get him the puck. He is an elite, elite, elite finisher. Don't get me wrong. He's the type of guy I take on my team 10 out of 10 times. If the three guys that I just mentioned are off the board and at number six, yeah, Caulfield is very strong in my consideration of who I'm picking at six. Detroit does not have a guy who would be able to get him the puck like he needs. They just don't. There's not a single player in the organization that I would consider an elite playmaker of any capacity. Detroit has a lot of triggermen. They have Mantha. They have Zadina coming up. Athanasiu tends to fall into that category. They got a few shooters on defense. They need a Zegris more than they need a Caulfield. Now, if you're sitting here and you firmly believe out and out that Cole Caulfield is just flat out a better player, then you take Cole Caulfield. But if you're split, like if you're right on the line between Caulfield and Zegris, talent-wise, the pick has to be Zegers because that's what Detroit needs more right now. Now, again, if I'm sitting here and we were number, uh, we were, we were the Colorado avalanche at number four. Yeah. There's a very real argument to take Cole Caulfield over Zegers there because that's a team that has Rantanen that has the guys who can get him the puck. Detroit doesn't. And don't get me wrong. Now I have to qualify this. I'm not saying that Dylan Larkin or a guy like Joe Valeno, these guys, they're not bad playmakers. They are good. They are above average, but that's not their thing. They are not the guys who sit there and look for the teammates and feather that perfect pass. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm not even sure that I agree that Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegers, where if you you know add up their scores in playmaking or scoring to 100, that they have identical scores. I'm just doing a devil's advocate thing. Yeah. If those do both add up to 95. You know, Zegers is a 95 playmaker. Cole Caulfield is a 95 goal scorer. Goals are more expensive and a hotter commodity in today's NHL. Now, I think that's discounting too much to, to play devil's advocate for devil's advocate. That's discounting everything else that Zegers offers. I think Zegers is a much more complete player. But Cole Caulfield puts the puck in the net. And if a team believes that they're a wash, I would have a hard time saying... Yeah, you want to swing for the fences, but we're going to take a guy who's projected to, at best, maybe be able to work interchangeably with Larkin. Or you have a guy that could be liable to put up 50 goals once he makes the show. It's possible. But so, but but again, it's situational awareness. It's The Red Wings just had four players under the age of 25 put up 20 goals. And almost anybody you talk to believes all of their ceilings are higher. And they've got a guy named Philip Zadine in the minors coming up. Yes, but the Red Wings also have zero defense. And we're not talking about drafting a defenseman. I think at where you are in the <laughs> draft. rooms there. Yes, of course. <laughs> I think we we preach a lot. This I think this is really where best player available come. Like that's where you're, the, uh, you have to back it up. I believe best player available 110%. But right now I'm saying I don't think Cole Caulfield would be the best player at six. He might be, depending how the five picks ahead of him go. I He's very much in consideration to be number six on my list, but right now he is not. I keep coming back to something that Max said, which is that you dr- you build your team ideally down the middle with a strong defensive core to back it up, and then you can mix in the winger talent that just comes up naturally through the draft. That almost never happens. You know, very few teams get to do what uh, Boston or Pittsburgh or Chicago have done this generation. 
if you have an Alex Ovechkin on the wing or uh, Taylor Hall on the wing or whoever else, you build around that guy. It's not always going to be perfect. And so I'm not saying Cole Caulfield's going to be a Taylor Hall or an Alex Ovechkin. Far from it. I would, it would be hard to project anyone to be those guys. But <sighs> I just keep coming back to I, I, I'm afraid that we're getting married to the idea of what Turcotte could be for this team. And that we'd just be trying to fill that niche somewhere else. I just want the best player available. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, re- I really do. But like I said, I just, my point is all things being equal, you go to what the team needs more. And yeah. all things being equal, that's a defenseman, but, or, or a second line center. So I think the most realistic outcome, if everything kind of plays out the way it's been trending, is Pod Colson and Zegris are sitting there at six. Yeah, probably. It's it's looking like that's going to be a very strong possibility, and I don't know who I would pick between the two of them right now. I I would have said Pod Colson in a heartbeat his uh, before the U18s. His but cold. His stock is real cold right now. So here's the thing. People are... He's not falling out of my top 10, I'll tell you. No, 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 no. I, I, I want to address a couple things. One is that people keep talking about how long it's going to take for him to come over. Two years is not is a pretty actually short amount of time for a good prospect to be coming over. It's how long it took Malkin. Yeah. It's a, a number one overall pick. Yeah, you'd be surprised if it took him two years. But pretty much anyone else is going to take two years to see NHL ice. You have to expect that. I feel like Colorado's the one team not interested because they're kind of in a win-now I think sort sh- of mentality. I think Chicago, Chicago and Colorado falls in that category, too. Yeah. So, but, And this is, this is another bone I have to pick. As people keep saying, well... Uh, this team or that team, they need someone right now. If you need someone right now, your answer is not in the draft, plain and simple. Yeah, this draft, Jack Hughes and Capo Caco are the only two guys that I, yeah. I think make the NHL next year. There's always one or two guys who surprise. Always. But yeah, you can't bet on that because it doesn't look like anybody outside of the top two exactly. fills that. You hope void. if you use the mentality of best player available that they have an increased shot of making your team. Now, that's not going to stop them from drafting that way. Now, let's look at Colorado and Chicago. We keep coming back to them taking Turcotte because he would fit their need and help them right away. But And, and I, I would agree. I that don't think Turcotte makes the NHL next year, whoever picks him. I, and I would agree that he would be the best pick for them. But do you think that they'll want to do maybe what a uh, Ottawa did with a Brady Kachuk and take someone who's more physically ready to help them right away? I hope so, because that would that really means- help Detroit. Because if you want to talk about physical tools, out of everybody outside of the top two, who's the most NHL ready? Kirby Doc. No, I don't. I wouldn't say that. Physically, well, yes, but his game, not really. But physically... Physically, yes, but I'm also talking physically, and I could see their game translating to the NHL right away. The only other guy I, I have some confidence in saying, Dylan Cousins. Yeah. He's a huge mammoth of a dude who can skate and who can shoot. His thing has never been playmaking pro- or pace of play because he plays fast, but he's not a great playmaker. But if you were to plug him into an NHL roster next year, he might not score you 20 goals, but he'll contribute. The draft is really going to start on pick number three. Oh, it is. The first two are formalities, and then as soon as we find out pick three, yeah. I think that's when everything kind of becomes a little clearer. Yeah, I, I, I still... Chicago, everything's pointing to Turcotte. They need a center. He's a center. Um, yeah, they'd like to have some help next year, but realistically, they know they're a couple years away again anyway. Um, 
They have you look at their defensive system. Yoko Haru, Mitchell, Boakfist. They don't need another defense. They're pretty well stocked there. So unless they truly believe someone is just leaps and bounds better than Alex Turcott, which you could easily make the case for Bowen Byram, I think they're going to take Turcott. Now, I just can't shake this feel. I, I agree. I do agree that that would be the right pick. I just can't shake this feeling that there's this weird dichotomy between what uh, the talking heads are saying, including us, about you know these guys and the rankings. But teams have been, up until now, in love with Cousins and Doc. And the only reason I say up until now is because their noise has been drowned out by what all the pundits are saying. Teams are pretty tight-lipped approaching the draft about who they value. I I have I think at least one of them goes in the top five. So I have I have just a notion in me that one of them is still going to go in the top five. So based on what reports have been coming out of different cities, media, yada yada yada, my prediction right now, not necessarily what I agree with should happen, but what I think is going to happen if I had to put a guess right now, it's going to be Turcotte three to Chicago. Cousins four to Colorado, Byram five to LA. I I would put a lot of. That's the indication at the moment. Mind that being said, though, nobody in the world saw Barrett Hayton going five last year. So weird things happen, man. It, t- it just takes one team to fall in w- love with one player, even if all other thirty teams disagree. It just takes that one team to throw everything to the wind. We haven't seen the combine yet. Just... Yeah, for all we know, LA's like, yeah, no, we we suck everywhere. We need a defenseman here, but man, do we really like Cam York or Philip Broberg? I know, I know. Mind you, nobody, anybody, if Byram's not the first defenseman off the board in this draft, everybody's insane. I'll eat my mic if it's not Byram. They, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> they, Clip it. There is, there's always an argument for certain positions, yet yeah, not in this draft. It's Byram, a gap, and then every other defenseman. Now, I'm not saying there's no other good defenseman in this draft, but... Bowen Byram's leading the playoffs in scoring right now as an underage defenseman. It's stupid. Uh, I'm going to move us along to our Red Wings player profiles. Uh, we are going to... Uh, we're <laughs> we doing, were working through our centers. We're, we are still technically working through our centers. We're not going to do the uh, Dilla Rosen ends. We're going to put them on an others list. Yeah. This is the episode where we go from center to wing. Which, so you tell us what we're doing. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu. <laughs> Is going to be the one we're going to talk about. And this is going to be an interesting discussion. I've seen some heat on Twitter, uh, which is uh, funny because I don't really think it's anything. People argue on Twitter? What? No, no, funny enough. Uh, There's been a lot of Twitter drama all the time, forever. Um, Yeah, Andreas Athanasiu is who we're going to cover today. Andreas Athanasiu is being listed as a center because for the last quarter of the season. Oh, I'm doing my profile on him as a winger, just so you know. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) They tested out Athanasiu at center basically to see... Can we use this guy as a centerman for the next year or two or even for the foreseeable future? This Athens CU center versus wing argument, the way it's being like the way people are arguing about it online reminds me of the Jeff Blashill argument all over again. No, Jeff Blashill's a good coach. The team is bad. No, Jeff Blashill's a bad coach. That's why the team is bad. Okay, let me just preface this before we get into the nitty gritty of it. Is Andreas Athanasiu a good NHL-level centerman? Yes, he is. If he's the Red Wings' second-line center for a while, is that the worst thing in the world? No, he's fine in that spot. Is Andreas Athanasiu better as a winger? Also, yes. (laughs) There you go. 
Look at that. He every the eye test says he's better as a winger, and every metric that you compare from when he was a centerman to when he was a winger this year, it favored him as a winger. And there's going to be a course of people saying, oh, well, if you play him at center longer, he'll learn and he might get better there. You'd be right. Yeah, also that's probably possible. That's yeah. also pretty possible, maybe even true. But the argument then could also be, well, if you play him longer as a winger, he might get better there too. And then you would also be right. There's weird how that happens. It's a it's a pretty good problem to have. Andreas Athanasiu took a big step this year and for a lot of the year looked extremely impressive. It kind of started in the preseason where we saw flashes of him going, oh my God, this guy is actually kind of tying it all together. Um, it's like he knew a contract year was coming up this upcoming season and he wanted to get a head start on it. Yeah, he didn't want to have that sample size argument with the organization. No. And you know what? Who is more happy about that than the fans right now? Because Andre Sathanasiu is so damn exciting to watch. He uses his speed, his creativity, and his offensive prowess to be effective on the ice. Um, he's done that so well as a winger, oftentimes making something out of nothing or bringing out the best in his line mates, or even when they can't, just creating plays. He's someone, when we talk about the eye test, the biggest role that he plays on the ice is just making plays out of nowhere. The guy creates high-quality scoring chances out of nowhere. Putting the puck between his legs with his hand on his back from a tightrope for some reason going 60 miles an hour down the wing from a car on the highway. He's absolutely phenomenal at generating that offense. And that's something where in previous seasons we said this guy has all the physical tools and we can see him do these things. But we only saw that like, you know, once every five or six games and then he'd just be useless beyond that. So he's a really talented player with an elite level skill set who gets too driven at times, doesn't use his teammates very well. He generally tends to like to be a one-man show. More often than not, his best chances, yeah, come as a one-man show. Did I just describe Athanasiu or Pod Colson? <laughs> I just, I just, that just hit me as you were talking. Well, does, does that not make you shy away from Pod Colson? Because that's great for Athanasiu, but if you had the choice, that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, it's not selling me at pick six. And that's not a knock on Athens to you. So, like, I, I want to bite into this a little bit more. You said if he's our second-line center for the next couple of years, that's not the worst thing. And I think you're right. Because say the Red Wings make out with Byram, or they get a Cole Caulfield, or uh, Turcotte or Zegers aren't ready right away. Having Athens to you as your centerman on the second line or third line, depending on whatever Jeff Blash was feeling that day, in years where you're not exactly expected to make the playoffs... There are worse things to have in this world. And I do imagine he'll become more accustomed to the position. And it might actually... I do think long-term he'll he'll transition back to the wing. That's his natural position. I, I think he's more effective there. I don't think the defensive responsibility and the responsibility to create the plays and utilize his line mates are his natural strengths. But he will gain skills that will translate well to when he does eventually move back. He will become a better overall player for it. And it's not like the Red Wings are going to suffer for it. Would they have a better net positive in a lot of ways, expected goals, what have yous, with him at wing? Yeah. Would they have a better <laughs> return on value with him at center because there's literally no one else to plug in there? Maybe also yes. He has taken a great leap forward. For him to even have had moderate success in that experiment with him at center is crazy important for the Red Wings. 
No, he didn't blow anyone away. No, he's not a star center that we just didn't know about secretly. No, he's not exactly a defensive stalwart, but that obviously wasn't going to happen, right? When yeah. Blaschel and Holland came out and said, we want to see if this works out. He looked competent he looked defensively good. this year, which is, I think, about as good as we can expect from him. When he knew what to do or when he did the right things. Now, here's the thing that here's the issue I'm running into, though, with him as a second line center, specifically relating to this upcoming season. Do we all agree that that Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi line should not be separated? Agreed. Evan? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Do we all agree that Philip Zadina is probably needs to be in the top six to succeed? Agreed. Yes. Which means then Philip Zadina's second line center is Andreas Athanasiu, who we just said doesn't really play well off his teammates. Is Andreas Athanasiu an ideal centerman for a player like Philip Zadina? I think Zadina excels at shoving himself into the play and making himself available to contribute offensively no matter what. I agree, but the the one knock that I would the the one big flaw I see in Andreas Athanasiu's game on a night-to-night basis is failing to recognize those opportunities when his teammates in a better spot than he is. Right, but if you're going to break that habit, Philip Zadina is a hell of a way to do it. Oh, I agree. But which leads into my next point. Andreas Athens is 24 years old. He is who he is. This is not a player that we're going to transform. And I see people saying, oh, if we play him at center, he could become a defensive wizard. Or he no, could no, yeah, that. Yeah. no, no, that's not happening. Just like I, I said about Tyler Bertuzzi a month ago, they are who they are. You now, it's now the coach's job to find out how to successfully use him in the lineup. And like I said, I, as much as I love Philip Zadina and as much as I love Andreas Athanasiu, I don't think that's a center wing combo I want. Ideally, what I want, given the roster, and this is about to be a very depressing statement, is I would want Andreas Athanasiu on the wing opposite Philip Zadina. With Franz Nielsen I in between. Ref- no, Franz I do Nielsen. Not, I do not like that, but Franz Nielsen is a pass-first mentality, and those are two guys who need to be fed to the puck constantly. Those are two guys who are going to outscape Franz Nielsen's capability to center a line. Plain and simple. End I of story. I do, not, I do not like that this is the issue we're running into. Because So here's the other counter-argument that I had. And again, I am open to... I. Uh, you have no idea how open I am to not Gross. having Franz Nielsen in the top six. But so let's assume Athanasiu is the second line center and we are going to put Philip Zadina on the second line. Who's the winger you put with them then? Because these guys need someone who can get them the puck. I'm not too worried about optimal line combinations based on what should happen, though, right? I, I, I am. I am in the case of Zadina because he's a rookie. He's going to need to not necessarily be sheltered, but he's going to need help. Okay, then I'm going to be sacrilegious here and say break up Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi. I would not break them up because you need one competent line. I would then tend maybe third line sheltered minutes aren't the worst thing for Zadina. But again, what's that second line look like with Athens? Who the hell are the other wingers on this team? (laughs) We're looking at what? A rookie in Darren Helm. And that rookie's not Zadina. It's uh, Hiroshi? Rasmussen, Svechnikov. Oh, <laughs> we're talking pie in the sky with the right guys in the top six. You're going to see two. Oh, man, the dogs are going nuts right now. Yeah, it's because Meek and Crystal just got home. You're going to see at least two 
people in the bottom six that should not be in the top six in the top six at any given point all year. Because if we're just objectively looking at raw skill set, my ideal second line then might be Zadina, Hiroshi, Athanasiu. That line might be a combined minus 700 this yeah, season. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's putting Her- Hiroshi a little high. So you're either putting in a Franz Nielsen or a Darren Helm there, whether you want to or not. Now, my argument would be, Athanasiu, Zadina, Helm? Okay, now you've got three players who can't really pass the puck well. I I don't see how you either don't bump Zadina down to the third line or bump Nielsen up to the second line and shift Athanasiu to the wing. I don't know what the right answer is here. I don't... This... This is where I have to circle this whole conversation back to. This team is really bad. For anybody who thinks this team doesn't suck, this whole conversation proves it. But and the defense is a bigger problem. But and this a lot's going to depend on what's. And this kind of does circle back to my Zegris argument. But man, the best thing that might happen to the Red Wings is Joe Valeno comes in and just blows the training camp out of the water. Well, he he almost did it last year. Yeah, he had a phenomenal camp last year. And nobody should expect him to make this team because he's coming out of the QMJHL. So yeah. nobody. If if your thoughts going into the season is well, but Joe Valeno, you're gonna be upset even if he makes the team. Yeah. So, yeah, and again, this is a whole conversation about Andreas Athanasiu without it being about Andreas Athanasiu. But here's the problem Andreas Athanasiu presents. He's a one-dimensional player to the letter. It's one hell of a dimension, and he's a really good player, but he's a 30-goal scorer who's probably going to get 15 to 20 assists a season. He'll hover around his 50 points. That's what he is. 60 points is this guy's ceiling. Like that is if everything goes exactly right for him because he's a one dimensional player. Because if you look at the tools between Athanasiu and Larkin, just the raw skill set, I think you give Athanasiu the edge on just about everything. He's probably a little faster. His shot's definitely better. His hands look a little better, but Larkin puts it all together better than Athanasiu does and uses it as a more complete game. That's who Athanasiu is. So the, uh, there, there's no more conversation in my mind about wh- who is Athanasiu as a player. What can he be? It's how do you maximize him? I think we're getting a visitor. She's already tried to come down like three times now. Ah, can't use a door handle. What a loser. Oh, no. She's she's opened the oh. door, but Crystal's wrangled her away. Mm. Uh, but Doesn't so, have that great grip strength. No. Yeah, because Athanasiu's at that age. Like I said, he is who he is. Now, how do you maximize him? And with the current roster built as is, the answer is, I don't think you can fully maximize him. (laughs) I'm going to move us along to our quick hits before overtime. Uh, The World Championships have been going on. Now, the standings are the standings. I don't think anyone's entirely too concerned about that right now in round robin through two games. But stories of the tournament, Capocacco has been making an argument as first overall pick. Um I think a lot of that has to do with recency bias. Like that's why a lot of the conversation is being drummed up. And because Jack Hughes was such a consensus number one pick all year, it's going to be, you know, people are clamoring to soak the stuff up. They, they want that conversation. That's why I'm kind of hoping that uh, Lucas Raymond makes a threat to Alexi Lafreniere's uh, number one overall status for next year. <laughs> is Mika about to come downstairs again? There's nothing that's blocking her from coming downstairs. Oh, goodness. That is a stubborn kid. Every single week we record, she comes downstairs, shrieks when Brad brings her back upstairs and says there's no possible way she can go back up. Anyhow, so Capocacco is one of the stories of that tournament. Philip Hronik is the second leading point. Well, I mean, a ton of players are tied at five points. Philip Uh, Hronik and Anthony Mantha 
are someone's at six points right now. Because as of this afternoon, they were all tied. Oh, they're all tied at five. Yeah, I thought Kako had six. Yeah, they're all tied at five. So Hironik and Mantha are among six players uh, tied at five points through two games leading the tournament. So Mantha playing for Team Canada, obviously two goals, three and assists. Uh, Philip Hironik, man, ever since his second call-up for Detroit, he seems to have been playing with a fire and passion that has just been like unstoppable. Every day, I'm more and more thrilled with this guy. If the Red Wings land Bowen Byram, Philip Perona can play on the first line. I think Philip Perona can play on the top pairing no matter what. Well, on Detroit's top pairing, You yeah. could... It almost sounds blasphemy because Philip Peronik's very good defensively. He doesn't get enough credit for how solid he is in his own end. It, I'm not going to go this far, but I would hear an argument that says Philip Peronik's the best defenseman the Detroit Red Wings have right now. End of statement. I don't think you'd get a great argument against that. I would hear a very good argument for Mike Green. No. Mike Green. No, not this year's Mike Green. Mike Green is terrible defensively, but he does bring an element of offense that nobody else on this team does. When he came back from last year's annual injury, I did not see that same level of offense or offensive generation. No, but I'm not going to hold an injury against him. It was small sample size before he had to go out for the season again. I'm looking at... When you can schedule an injury, I can start holding it against him. You know what? That's fair. So, yeah. So, yeah. But, um... Yeah, Hironik looks like he has all the makings of being a top pair defenseman. Now, not the number one guy. No. But a it's top not a good defenseman. thing that he's the Red Wings top pair defenseman. No, right I've now. said it for years, and I'm going to continue to say it. If Dennis Cholosky and Philip Hironik is a Red Wings second pairing, that means the team's probably really good. Oh, yeah. That means it's great. There's a lot of Jeff Blashill's doing Jeff Blashill things and Danny DeKaiser's getting 27 minutes a night. But I digress. Regardless, it's nice uh, to have Mantha and Hironik be those stories or the stories of the offseason. It's nice kind of like sweet offseason development without having to worry about how bad the team is right now. Uh, Another quick hit. uh, The Guelph Storm have won the uh, OHL championship have won in the OHL finals against the Ottawa 67s who set a record 14 straight wins yep they went into the finals with 12 straight wins Ottawa took the first two games from Guelph so they won the first 14 games of the playoffs and then lost four in a row yeah it's pretty shitty when you go 14 and four and lose (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's bad uh Evan Evan was at the game today I wasn't at this one I was at the second Guelph home game. that was it yeah and it was wild Wild. Well deserved. I'm going to move along to overtime, which of course is brought to us by our Patreon. Yeah, that's all the attention you get, Guelph. Screw you. Uh, Silver says, uh, no real question, but I was absolutely living for the Kitchener-Waterloo area white trash Olympics last episode. (laughs) So we trash on Guelph, but here we are. Uh, Side note, I would love a Detroit area women's team. I think the Ann Arbor Archangels would be awesome. Two-winged wheels as a logo across the shoulder would be lit. Is the Archangels like a name of any other sports team right now? I doubt it. (laughs) That would be amazing. It's heavily religious, but kind of dope. Uh, just for the just for the logo possibilities, like he said. Honestly, uh, Joseph Delia says, "Hey guys, with all this trade back talk, if the word out there that six to ten is about the same talent range, why would a team trade up with the Wings if they're going to get a good player?" Okay. Thank you. That's the point I've been making for five months now. I get the idea, but the only way I see why someone wants to trade up is if there's a player they really, really want. Just in my opinion, I guess my question this week is, I've seen the hockey news, just did a comparison. Gun to your head, Docker Cousins, if Turcotte, Zegras, and Byron are gone, thanks. Cousins. Cousins. Yup. 
Uh, Joshua Abzura says, my first question since before Eisman came home and just want to make sure no one is t- uh, taking that beautiful man for granted yet. Anyway, now it's time for my obligatory, wishful thinking, far-fetched, hypothetical question. Do you think a roster comprised of Burt Larkin Mantha, Athens Udatsu Zadina, Hiroshi Nielsen, and then Sveshnikov Rasmussen, and then Helm Glendening, De La Rose, Carlson Hironik, Chlosky DeKaiser, Hicketts Green, or plugging in one of Bowie, Kasky, etc., can make the playoffs? Could they? Yeah. Would I bet on it? No. no. I I would. My my honest prediction would be, yeah, that team would be a lot better than this iteration of the team. But that is still a lot of young, inexperienced players. Um, but and they would not be utilized in that capacity. Jeff Blaschel is still the coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, do I think that if it's constructed exactly as such, Blaschel doesn't touch it for the year? Could they make the playoffs? Yeah, there's not a lot of teams in the East I'm in love with right now. I could hear an argument for it, but I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, obviously, this lineup is absurdly unlikely, but it's that dangerous time of year when we're left with our imaginations after all. Personally, think that with the addition by subtraction and actual addition, this roster could do it. Not necessarily saying making playoffs is <laughs> ideal right now, but just a little thought experiment. Also, Evan, if you're there, hello. this may be too many consecutive episodes. Don't want to cause the heat death of the universe by accident, brother. Keep up the good work as always, boys. I can miss one, don't worry. You're traveling soon, aren't you? Yeah, end of the month, I mm. will miss two episodes. That's not bad, actually, for that long of a trip. I'm, I'm gone Tuesday to Tuesday. Did you decide your itinerary yet? Yeah, I'm flying from Toronto to Amsterdam. I'll be there for a day and a half. Oh, that's it? That's all I can do for now. Yeah. Um, and then flying into just south of Stockholm. My buddy does his defense the next day, and there's like a big party, and then we spend a day there, and then we go finish off with three days in Copenhagen. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, Joe Caboose119Z Falzone says, how would you rank the uh, who, you, who you want to win the cup this year? Sharks, Blues, Canes, Death, and then Bruins. I would have Canes, Sharks, Blues, Arrow with an Empty Space, Arrow with an Empty Space, Arrow with an Empty Space, Ollie, Brad's Dog. Um, Demon, Brad's other dog, Empty Space, Mika, Empty Space, Brad, Empty Space, Pete Blackburn himself, Empty Space, and the Bruins. That's about as best as I can do. Yeah, I'm going to go Sharks, Blues, Hurricanes. I'm just ending it there. Connor Jager says, hey guys, been, uh, did you have one, Evan? Uh, I'll just go San Jose. <laughs> Connor Jager says, hey guys, been watching the playoffs and finding it hard to see how the Bruins lose. I uh, want those jerks out of Carolina to win, but don't see how the jerks get it done. Maybe you guys can put me at ease. Ah. Seems like the Sturm sort Sturm's, uh, uh, there goes the my The Marco joke. Sturm Surge. Oh. <laughs> or, or was he going for Sturm Surge? Oh, I'm trying Sturm not to swear. Surge. <laughs> Storm Surge has been downgraded. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> oh, boy. Also sprained my ankle earlier this week, and it's been really annoying to just sit out, wait for it to heal. What's the worst injury you guys have had, sports-related or not? Did As- we just have this question? Yeah, concussions. M- major concussion put me out for four months. <sighs> As always, keep up the good work, boys. Uh, K-Was says, Logan Couture now has 10 goals and 16 points, 11 and 17 now. Already in the playoffs, the dude's a monster. Will he be the key for the Sharks in order to win the Cup, or will it be others? Yeah. Yes. Like, you need guys like Couture to step up and have consmite seasons. So, assuming they play Boston in the finals, yeah, San Jose's top line is going to have to match Boston's top line. Um, because San Jose, to win, they have they would out-depth every other team in these playoffs. But if the top line's getting run, then, yeah, they're not going to win. So, that top line's got to play like a top line. 
and yes, Ryan, when I linked to you last overtime, the jet was what we call a strike trainer. This will take me about a year and a half from start to finish. That's badass, man. What? The plane from last time. The oh, jet. right, right, right. Tyler Clor says, I know it's only two games, but do you think Kako is pushing to be the number one pick with his world championship performance? Uh, no. Is he pushing? Yes. Will he? No. No. New Jersey seems to have their mind made up. Again, this is where people get recency bias and... Kako's more physically mature right now than Hughes, so of course he's going to do better at an event like this than Hughes. Hughes is the long-term bet. Kako, yeah, he this might coach have is a... Jeff Blashill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second question. <laughs> oh, my he... God. Did you see that tweet where someone, someone, a New Jersey fan tweeted like, Jack Hughes is having a great game, but somehow only has 42 more seconds played than fourth-line center Luke Lindenning. Uh, I was just yes. like, feel our pain. You're <laughs> new around here, I see. <laughs> uh, first time, huh? <laughs> I just I just quoted it with the Jeff Blashill experience, and it's my most liked tweet of the last three weeks. <laughs> uh, second question, any of you collect hockey cards? I'm working on the Red Wings and former U.S. NTDP rookie You're cards. watching on YouTube. You, I can pick the tripod up right now. <laughs> you must be new to the podcast. Brad used to be the part owner of a uh, trading card shop. Clutes and Chara Sports Cards was my baby for the better part of a decade before i realized there is absolutely no money in hockey cards there's, so he moved to podcasting yeah 13 boxes whatever in those that's 14 so, 15 some of those 16 17 18 19 we'll say we'll say 18 and then two bi- four binders well yeah four binders three are full so yes there are a couple hockey cards there, there's a there's a few uh rowan says nearly a month into the eyes of rain and the question has to be asked in your intro why is the poll uh, proven definitively least popular host the first name right out you need to edit this to line up with the results be better founder goes first <laughs> I can always quote that we were all in the first episode sir we were all in the first episode who made the reddit post yeah that's what you get who invented reddit <laughs> me that was you yeah thanks for nothing yeah now we're saying for years of countless hours of production wasted Evan uh, it's because we do it at Brad's house, which only ever seems to be a negative at this point. <laughs> we only have one offsite episode. That was at my house with me and you. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Well, we did we did an episode at Joe Louis Arena. That feels pretty significant. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, that was. <laughs> we, had, we had a literal NHL player on that episode. And then they tore the arena down. Yeah. Has it been torn down yet? No. Yeah, there were pictures of them working from the inside out. But the building still stands. Uh, with Abdelkader being waived because Stevie, who do you think gets that A, and why is it elite fan favorite every day or heart and soul elite Darren Helm? Now, I agree. I think Darren Helm would get it. He shouldn't, but I I could, I would put my money on that. So if Larkin's the captain, Cronwall's an A, I think Nielsen's the other A. Unless they decide to go three. Uh, curious to get your opinion on a UFA like Steve Duchesne's son. I'm not saying sign him, but I'm also saying don't uh, don't talk to the guy. Or I'm not saying don't talk to the guy. Are we talking about... The Duchesne, Matt Duchesne isn't his son, and it's spelled differently. Is he saying that... I think it, I think it's sarcastic. Oh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him enough credit to assume it's sarcastic. Doesn't come through in text, but... Um, my literal list of free agents I think Detroit should sign right now starts and ends at Eric Carlson. I don't – Panarin, sure, but, like, I'm ass, I'm assuming based on all the reports he's not even going to be a little bit interested in Detroit. Duchesne is going to get way more money than he's worth and way more term. And, again, the Red Wings are pretty – they have Valeno coming up. They have Zadina coming up. I'm not saying they're great at forward, but it, 
it's not the type of position you go out and spend that much money on at this moment that could change next summer depending but I don't know. I, I think they need a number one defenseman because as as good as Chalosky, Hronik are, Byram's not going to be there at six. Yeah, that's probably the only option to get a number one defenseman at this point. Uh, Eric Baker, or sorry, he says, Jersey time, thoughts on a couple of your victories being on jerseys like they were on the Centennial jersey. It doesn't have to be overt, inside the collar, inside the helm, etc. I love that. Oh, if it's subtle, 100%. I love the idea of like stars inside the collar, that kind of thing. Or even tiny little cups. Little, uh, yeah, it'd be cute. Eric Baker says, hello there. Recently, I found out I'll be in Croatia during the NHL draft, which uh, means that I'll be waking up around 2 a.m. to watch it happen. It'd be hella rad if you guys were doing a live feed for the draft, so it wasn't just me being naked alone with my laptop for the event. Yeah, we're going to live stream the draft. That's not a thought I need to think about as we're live streaming now. <laughs> we'll be, and it'll be us live streaming, like us watching along, not the draft itself, and we'll be naked along with you. Don't worry. I really need them to announce where next year's is because if I promise you guys, if it's anywhere on the East Coast, we're going. Oh, yeah. Like, we're... Well, if, if depending anywhere on the East Coast, we're going. No, no, I'm saying even on the West Coast, like yeah, Vancouver's really the one city that was like a hard no for us because it was so goddamn expensive to get there. Because it's easier to fly West Coast United States than it is if to it's, fly West Coast. If Canada. it's Vegas, I could find us round trip for like two. Oh, <laughs> if it's Vegas, we can move there. Uh, Adam Flett. If says, it's Vegas, we're bringing the whole family, every friend we have. Oh, honestly, uh, Adam Flett says based on my own mock drafts, the Wings will. Uh, he actually had a typo, and I'm going to read it out loud because it's hilarious. Uh, the Wongs will. <laughs> like either Doc or Cousins. Uh, uh, and with that, I'd be happy as it solidifies the middle for a few years. However, no. we still lack a superstar forward. No. With that in mind, should we uh, should we be in for Panarin? Short of a lottery win, I don't see us drafting, drafting a superstar, so free agency is our best hope. Can you think of any targets for the summer of 2020 that would be of use? Hope you're enjoying the Worlds and your boys are nice to my team in Great Britain. Oh, boy. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, I've not even looked at the 2020 free agent list because a lot of anybody who's notable, most of them will be signed on, on July one, as soon as they're eligible for an extension. So it's, it's generally fruitless to look at, uh, free agent crop until you're uh, the earliest is like 10 months out. Cause usually guys will get their extensions in the summer. I lot Tyler say again last summer. Garrett TV says, gents, I just want to say kudos for your continued efforts to shine light on the world of women's hockey. Uh, you've long been discussing its path well before the current major situation with WN or NWHL players. And this is a topic every hockey fan should be well versed in. Major kudos. That means a lot. It's uh, it's not a friendly conversation a lot of the times, which is unfortunate. So I'm glad that we you guys uh, responded to that positively, so thank you. I'm, I'm happy to claim hipster status on women's hockey. You claim hipster status on everything. We liked it. I said, no, you're in on this one too, Shit. Dippy. We liked it before it was cool. <laughs> uh, and for a question, Lucky Charms or Cocoa Puffs? Oh, <sighs> I'm not a big chocolate peanut butter guy. Like it's just really rich for me. So I'm going to go Lucky Charms knowing that I'm probably wrong. They did ask me that like 14 years ago. I know. I'm yeah. trying to remember. I'm going to say Cocoa Puffs because what I remember of Lucky Charms is a lot of really delicious marshmallows just sprinkled in with some cat food. It was like really yeah. bad dry cereal. <laughs> you had one job. The easiest part was doing the the cereal part. Yeah. The marshmallow it's gonna take care of was itself. tough. That, that will be good, but all you had to do is make good cereal, and you failed me. Uh, Clayton Van Dyken says, hey, guys, long-time listener, seldom commenter. Just figured I'd stop by and say uh, finally say thanks for the jersey. Congrats, Clay. I'm glad you won it. 
Uh, Warm Core Music says, is it possible we already have our number one D in the making with Hironic? It looks like he just keeps getting better and has the offensive tools, skating, and the hockey IQ to be the guy. Just needs more experience and refinement to his defensive game. I'm going to say no. Uh, number two guy, yeah. Realistically, number three guy. Um, for as good as he is at everything, there's no one real skill set that he possesses that I look at and go, that's elite. That's really good to grade on most things, but elite, eh, not seeing it. I think he can keep progressing into a very solid overall player, but he shouldn't be the team's number one overall. And that's and that's not a bad thing. Now, depending how you look at it, he might already be a number one. For the Red Wings? By yes. default? Yeah. By default. Default. Yeah. Nelson says, hey guys, hope all is well. Do you think we'll see any blockbuster trades this offseason? Haven't been hearing any big names on the market. Uh, there'll be a couple. There's always a few. Uh, Subban's name's floating around out there. He's been linked to Vancouver again because uh, Nashville. He's a locker room cancer. You don't want him. Uh, not, well, right now. The, There's some teams that have cap troubles, and that means trades. Yeah, and Nashville desperately needs to get some offense, and they realize that. So the only way they're going to do that is to move a defenseman. And when you look at the contract structures of everybody on defense for Nashville Subban makes the most sense to be traded not that they want to uh I think Truba is out of Winnipeg um but according to some charts that ma- our friend Max Boltman's been sending us buyer beware <laughs> um yeah, that, and those then, are surprising yeah he's I, I never had the highest opinion of him but even the charts are lower than what I thought um, it's, it's weird and it's concerning. And also it's worth looking into Zach Wierenski stats too, because those weren't flattering. So maybe analytics aren't everything. I don't know. Max sent me a lot of lot, easy said, with the, the superlatives. Or he the went, he sent us a lot of charts that made me feel a lot of weird ways that I wasn't expecting today. Oh boy. <laughs> You've upset the water heater. <laughs> um, I, we have some questions from Twitter. Colin G says, I saw an article a while back suggesting that the wings pursue Tyler Myers this offseason to help out on defense. What are your thoughts on that potential move? Depends on the contract. Uh, if we get him sub six million for sub four years, sure. Is that is Tyler Myers going to get a contract in that range? Absolutely not. I don't <laughs> think it'd be the best I don't think it'd be the best way forward just because of how expensive it'll be. Detroit does not have the luxury to out and out say no on any defenseman. They should be in on every defenseman, but what they should really re what they should realistically pay and what type of term they should give most of these defensemen is absolutely not what any of them are going to get. Like if they wanted to bring in, a, a, like I said, a Myers on a relatively short term deal for a pretty reasonable cap, it, I I say do it. I like Tyler Myers, but Tyler Myers is probably going to get like six years at seven mil a year, and Detroit should absolutely not do that. Uh, we have some time for some Reddit comments. Uh, Wings fan sixty four says, "Call your mothers." I was I actually went home. I went home for twenty four hours just to go see my mom. That's six hours of driving, so that won me some brownie points. Brad, I'm going to say no comment. Brad, don't do it. Did you see what he did? To <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> How, you forgot about that. <laughs> On what? <laughs> so, so Ryan sent out a tweet, sent out that exact comment. Oh, he said, yeah. call your mother. I just responded. What if you can't dot, 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 dot. I'm just, I'm oh, going to kill him myself one day. <laughs> I will kill him myself one day. <laughs> and then he just like, not even 20 seconds later, he's I get a text, a screenshot of it. You piece of shit. <laughs> I hope I want you to know 
<laughs> as your friend, as probably one of your closest friends, when you die, I will leave your name first on the intro. That is the that is the solace I will give you. But other than that, I will kill you. Uh, Darth Banks the Wise says, "Would you rather watch the Bruins win the cup or be mauled by an actual bear?" I'll take the actual bear. I've seen the Revenant, so I'll go with the Bruins. But it's closer than I want it. To no, because I w- I just want death at that point. So I would I would let the bear attack me in a manner where it won't take long. Uh, Anthony Pantha has an interesting question. Um, assuming our forwards prospect forward prospects pan out the way uh, he thinks they will, he doesn't think that we'll be able to keep everyone. Which current players or prospects from the system do you think would be? Most likely to be moved if the management decides they want to go for a number one D in either trade or free agency. Athanasi Ramantha. Uh, wing n- trade value matters. Wingnut0055 says, what's your first, uh, what's your worst case scenario if players gone in the top five? My worst case scenario is uh, based on what I'm holding. I think I already mentioned it, but I'll just go Hughes, Kako, Turcotte, Byram, Zegris. It's, yeah, it's Hughes, Kako, uh, Byram, Turcotte, and then... Zegris or Caulfield or... We're going to get someone I like no matter what, unless Detroit just really disagrees with me on a certain top 10 prospect, but we'll see. Um, Yarvik7 says, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Did you call your moms? Uh, do you think Holland might be interested in taking on one of the sweetheart deals he dished out to Daly, Helm, Abdelkader, Nielsen, Erickson, etc.? Um, I hope so. Darren I- Helm would look so good in the... White, blue, and orange. The Nielsen Helm, no. Or the Nielsen Abdicator contracts, no. One of the other ones, maybe, honestly. If Ken Holland takes either of those contracts, Oilers fans are going to erupt. Oh, yeah. If they if he takes any Red Wing, even if it's a good Red Wing, Oilers fans are going to be angry. See? He can't break old habits. Yeah, it is true. Uh, greeting Dub Dub Commanders. Actually, hold on. Before we get on that one, uh, a player for the Oilers who would make a ton of sense, short-term contract, assuming the Oilers are going for the playoffs this year, Mike Green. All right. I forgot that. We are now in another window of Mike Green trade value. Although I don't think his no-trade clause is lifted until February, if I'm not mistaken. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, The occasional golf talk in the show reminded me of a hypothetical I once came across. You have the opportunity to take five putts from a distance of five feet each putt you make is worth a million bucks. Each putt you miss means a year in jail. Once you take the first putt, you must attempt all five. No calling it quits after the first shot, no matter the outcome. Would you go for it? Don't consider outside factors such as families or jobs. They're taken care of somehow. And you don't have to worry about getting stabbed in prison. It's perfectly safe, but you have to deal with the monotony of extended time in jail. Purely in a vacuum, would you take the gamble? So, owning a business for 10 years, I, know not th- I now know the value of time more than ever before. And I know my golf skills. I am not taking those Yeah, putts. Brad's going to jail. Brad's and he doesn't have nearly enough facial hair to survive. I'm a decent golfer, but not good. Okay, admittedly, putting is the weak part of my game. I can drive fine. My irons are fine. I can't putt for shit. Seems like you're not a decent golfer. Well, given that putting is a very important part of the game, no. No, I am not <laughs> a decent golfer. Um, so, yeah. And also, even if I nail... Are we talking sh- flat putts, no break? No, we're talking. Let's just say it's any random the green. You don't get the five pick. foot putt. Yeah, I don't know. Slight it, break. Okay, slight like left to right or right to left. Oh, I'm making all five. Because I'm even, a five foot guy. That's where I practice at. Man, honestly, even if I made three out of five, I still wouldn't do it. Five feet is a longer distance than you five think. Feet it is. is like, it oh, absolutely is, is. Five feet. This is great for radio. For radio, is about probably that. 
I don't. To, I don't that, know what to what? watch. Like the pole. <laughs> Evan just that, pulled, yeah, the pole. Yeah, that's about that's five, like feet. five feet. Oh, and the hole's very small. And I no. I don't you, know what the pro make rate is at five feet. It's high. Yeah. But and, as soon as you get like to ten feet, it drops significantly. Can you imagine missing all five? It's you have no five. money, and you have to go to jail and be someone's bitch, <laughs> dude. Can you imagine even only making two? That's two million. That's three million. That's two million dollars waiting for you. <laughs> three years in jail. Brad. I know. Invest my money. I was going to start. I was going to start there. with the jail thing, and then I switch. But um, that's three years in jail. Think of that. Three. We've been doing this podcast for four. More than four. Well, so we're ready for the three years in jail. <laughs> it's been like prison with you guys. <laughs> And we're going to end this episode. We want to thank all Patreon supporters, all listeners, our name level sponsors, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. We love you. We'll be back in the middle of the week. Thank you for putting up with our nasally voices. You never said if you take the putts or not. I wouldn't. Okay. I'll step up, do a couple of years in the slam or whatever. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.